What are you listening to? You don't know that the guy's just put I know that. No, this is one that I know. Tom Brady's bordering now on Godlike. You gotta put the bourbon down and go to a doctor. He's... All right, listen up, y'all. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Bump and Run. I'm Pete Colasano, and if you saw the update or if you've heard, Scotty has strep throat. Like, really? How old are you? Who the hell gets strep throat at this age? Are these like in his mid 50s? And he's got strep. Like, wow. So that's why we. And I was on the brink of doing this by myself today, which I've done before. It's not the best, it's not ideal. And uh, I would prefer not to. And my friend Chris Coleman here was kind enough to say, hey, if you need a voice, if you need a hand, if you need someone to ask some dumb questions, I'm your man. And uh, so joining me today for filling in for Scotty, Chris Coleman, what's going on, Chris? Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to uh, pinch hit for Scotty, even though he's a Michigan fan. Yeah. Also, I strongly dislike his football team, especially after week one, me being a Giants fan. Yeah, they trashed you. The Denver trashed yeah, the Giants. The, the, well, oh, I didn't tell you about my Sunday, did I? You did I not. had the dubious pleasure of playing Chris Coleman and Sons Plumbing um, for six hours. Oh, lovely. Which was and you know you'll appreciate this as a homeowner you're like oh i'll just make this fix and you know it's a cheap fix you get a washer and then six hours later i'm running to home depot buying a faucet and then it's just like should i just bought the faucet yeah and you know after four hours would have been easier well, well, it's funny you say. It. So you were plumbing. Money. You were plumbing, and I was uh, I was coaxed into going to the beach on Sunday morning. Uh, and it was an. And I'm like, well, I got a lot of time here. I got time. And mm-hmm. we, we left at like nine thirty in the morning, so it's like we got time. No big deal. And you know, you're there, and I might have had a cocktail or two. You know, I don't know. Or I'm more. I'm fine. more about the sun and the sand, but I might have had a cocktail or two. And then you know, now it's like twelve thirty. And I'm like, hey, maybe we should get going. But we still had a handful of Spike Seltzers that were in a cooler. And I was like, well, and the kids are having it, a good time. It's too hard to carry them. You, you got to lighten the load. Yeah, That's I mean, smarter, right? when you're coming off the beach, you're exhausted. So I said, you know what? How many, t- you know, listen, this is September, mid-September here, and we're at the beach. How many more Sundays mm-hmm. am I going to be able to do this? School's in. We don't really do it during the week anymore. So I said, hell, I'll just, let's just stay. Okay, and I'll miss the beginning of the game, uh, you know, the beginning of the games, and uh, you know, I'll just catch up. Well, as a Jets fan, the best thing I could have done was to stay on the beach and not get home until the start of the pretty much the start of the second half. Because if I would have watched the first half, I don't know if I would have a fifty-five inch television anymore. I I, I have no hair, so I couldn't have pulled this out. But maybe I, I don't know what I would have done. But what I did see was a team that played very different in the second half than they did in the first, which was very exciting to me as a Jets fan. So the Jets are down 16-0 at the half. They look like garbage. Zach Wilson is getting hammered, hammered left and right. Uh, it looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. As after I find out afterwards as I'm looking at the highlights and stuff. He looked like, from what I saw, and I actually had every intention of, I'm not a Jets fan. I have family members that are Jets fans. Um, poor folks. I was like, all right, let's see. Uh, 
<laughs> Let's see what the kid looks like. You know, throw it on. There wasn't too many compelling games in a one o'clock slot. Um, you know, plus typically I just end up watching red zone. Right. Me too. And he, he looked like it looks like a scenario and you will appreciate this. Like the JV quarterback's got to go in. Yeah. For varsity. It's yeah. across the rival. And yeah, you know, what? He, he looked like a rookie. He very much looked like a rookie. And, and this is where the, the bad part of the story ends. And normally it would not. If you ask your Jets friends, family, uh, Jets fans, family members, or you ask me, Jets are down 16 nothing at the half. That turns into 35 to seven final score throughout history. And instead, Jets come out, drive right down the field. Zach Wilson throws a touchdown pass. He looks fantastic. Now I'm, I'm just hearing at this time. I'm just hearing that it was a rough first half. I mean, they're down 16 nothing, and they're the only team in the league that didn't score a point in the first half. But I'm just hearing how rough it was for him and how he was getting pounded and all this kind of stuff. And I'm watching this. I'm like, he looks great. Quick release, throwing, throwing zip on a ball and moving around a pocket. It looked fantastic. And the defense, all things said and done, they gave up three points in the second half. Three points. That's good coaching. That's mid-game adjustment. Okay. And then the Jets drive another, have another drive, drive down, score another touchdown. He throws two touchdown passes, both of them beautiful. He had a bunch of passes in the second half that looked fantastic. And that's why there. I will sit here and tell you all, there are no such things as moral victories. As a Jets fan, if you didn't watch that game, while you should have walked away disappointed that they didn't win, if you don't see that things are different, I don't know what you're watching. You just mentioned halftime adjustments. There had to have been on both sides of the ball. The protection was vastly different in the second half. That was even after Mekhi Becton went down with an injury. The defense gave up 19 total points. If the Jets are going to give up 19 points every week, d- you, dude. You're you're ending each game. Yeah, absolutely. So they, they won the second half 16-3. to three. The defense played good, gave up 19 total points, only three in the second half, and the kid looked really good in the second half. Again, it's not a moral victory, and you say, oh, well, it's great. But it certainly looks different. Uh, last couple years with Adam Gase as the coach, it never looked like they made halftime adjustments at all, like ever. So the fact that it even looked like there were halftime adjustments made, and then you look and you say, well, these, these adjustments actually worked. I don't know. I think there's, there's a lot there to like. It sucks that you lose, but there's a lot to like. So you're you're – culture guy and you've you know worn a headset at the high school level i coached for two years freshman ball my alma mater um i officiate another sport i'm around coaches all the time and we're both kind of big culture guys and the one thing that i have to say from what what i caught from the game watching you know trying to catch on the nfl network rebroadcast that type of stuff they don't look like the you know this isn't the circus jets that i'm used to absolutely this is the Oh, Salah can coach. Right. Oh, this team might be dangerous with a coach. Right. Um, full disclosure, I took the Jets last week because I thought five and a half was Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my 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 offshore guys had that five five and a half. I, I, I um, thought it was a field goal game. It was a little bit more than that, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's all about that. Um, if you look through the history of football, what are you really talking about? Great X's and O's guys? Some of them, yes, but some of them, no. Some of them just know how to speak to men and make them and get them to play well week in and week out. Get them to play well even when they're not feeling great or when they're not looking great or when the chips are down. 
And the fact that the Jets, of all teams, now listen, if the Patriots come out in the second half and they play great compared to the first half, you're like, yeah, that's what Belichick does. They make adjustments. If the 49ers do that, you're like, yeah, he's Shanahan's a great coach. That's that's fine. Of course, that's what they did. They, he's a brilliant offensive guy. Makes it. The Jets are the tank team. They're the team that sucks worse in the second half, not gets better. So, yeah, to me. Well, it, they've always been the organization that you look at and you're like, it doesn't matter who the GM is, who the coach is, short of like Weeb, Eubank. Here, outside of Weeb, who's Jets' best coach? Yeah, uh, Parcells for about Parcells five Parcells for the short period of time. I, I mean, yeah. Lou Holtz, that worked well. So if you look at it from that standpoint, Salah had these guys playing even harder in the second half than he did in the first. The defense coordinator, Ulbrich, had them playing significantly better. De- Not that they were playing terrible defense in the first half, but they played even better. They made adjustments and and really were – these guys – I'm watching that game. I'm like, wow, they're playing physical as shit football. Like, they were rocking the house. So the defense made adjustments and they worked. And a first-time offensive coordinator, first-time call-and-plays offense coordinator, he made adjustments in the second half and they worked. Adjustments with the line, adjustments with play calling, and that worked. They still lost, so a loss is a loss. But this is the kind of thing that I was talking about in the preseason leading up to the season. If you're a Jets fan and you're thinking playoffs, you're you're out of your gourd. They're not ready for that. Salah's not ready for that. This team is not ready for that. Zach Wilson's not ready for that. That division, that conference. But what you do want to see is improvement. What you do want to see is a different culture, a different environment, a different way of doing things. You want to see that effort. You want to see improvement over time. Dude, I saw improvement on one game, which I yeah. I can't remember. I'm 48 years old. I don't remember seeing that. So, you know, for the Jets fans, for me, I, I'm I'm I wish they would have won. Winning is the name of the game, but as losses go, uh, I'm pretty happy with that one. They went on the road, gave up 19 points, and uh, and and score and scored two touchdowns in the second half to make a, a little bit of a comeback, make the game interesting. I, I'm, I'll take it. It seemed like they were able to contain Christian McCaffrey, which is not an easy feat. Yeah, I mean, he had a decent game, but he didn't have a huge game. Yeah, he, he wasn't... And a lot of that was really in the first team. half, yeah. Right, and and that's the other thing is, you have a rookie coach who makes the adjustment and gets them to play better in the second half, and now the Jets are showing the ability to battle down the stretch. Yes, yeah. I, Love this it. is this is this is good. This is healthy. Yeah. This is what I mean. Overall, Salah had them playing at a high level. Offense and defense both made adjustments that worked. Uh, you got to be happy with that. You got to be happy with that. And what I always say, I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. Teams make their biggest improvements between one week one and two because that's it's the first time you're really really seeing them do their thing. You're really seeing the other team playing their best. So the other, uh, I got a whole list of things that I got to get here. Buffalo versus Steelers. I mean, I got to be honest. I'm su- I'm surprised at uh, the outcome. I thought the Steelers would play tough, but they were winning that game from the beginning and never looked back. The defense, in the end, the Steelers' defense is what we've come to know. Steelers' defense through history, uh, it's as good as it's ever been. They get after the quarterback, which is what this game is really about. You got to have quarterback you play, and then you got to get after the quarterback. Side. No, you can't. You can't. And I don't know if that's. And this is where I'm always intrigued with it. So the NFL, as we know, is a parody league. And there's always stories of the the team that wasn't good, that gets the easy schedule, that becomes the frisky playoff team. And then it's what do they do the following year? 
And I don't know if it's a regression to the mean or if Pittsburgh's just a really hard out. I also think that the way Pittsburgh's season went last year where they were undefeated 12 games, then they had that weird Pittsburgh-Baltimore COVID mm-hmm. debacle. It's like the league's like, oh, we have rules. Not for this game. Right, right. Um, yeah, and I think and the then, fact that you have a coach who's never had a losing season, you have a, an elite quarterback – and they finish the season poorly. That uh, we, you know, Sky and I talked about this. Like that lends itself to a team that's going to come in looking for vengeance, looking to come back and say, "This is who we really are." And I think that's what you saw. That's what you saw last Sunday against Buffalo. Yeah. Well, if Buffalo is trying to be one of them elite teams that people think that they're on the cusp of, and they're kind of that trendy, you know, AFC Championship pick. Um. Well. You, you got to earn that. Yeah, and I don't. I wouldn't get off of that too quick. If you look statistically at the game, Buffalo got more yardage than them. You have more first down. Like Steelers made more plays, and in the end, that's how you win the game. They made more plays, but I wouldn't. I I only say that to say don't get off the Buffalo train. Did they have the? Um, did they have a block punt or some sort of special? I think there's a block punt. There were sacks or all over the place. Like it, it, there was, they made more plays. And right. Buffalo didn't make as many plays, and that's why. But I think that's what defense, good defenses do. They're going to hold a good offense down like that. So I wouldn't count the Steelers out, but I wouldn't count Buffalo out either. A, a game that I was just stunned by. Like, I'm just like, am I, is this, when is this going to turn? And it just never did. New Orleans just, just plowed Green Bay. And what was even crazier about it is me and Sky were talking about this. The game wasn't in New Orleans. It was in Jacksonville. Right? No. It was a, it was exactly. it was a road, basically a neutral site road game or whatever. And you would have thought that it was a New Orleans like actually a home game because they just trounced them. Jameis Winston five touchdowns on 20 completions and only 150 yards. And one of them was like an 80-yard pass or 60-yard pass, whatever the heck it was. One of them made up like half the yards that he got. Pretty unbelievable. I wouldn't expect that week in and week out from New Orleans. It was pretty incredible, but after all the shit that went on in the offseason with Aaron Rodgers, I'm not saying that their whole season is in the toilet. I don't want to get carried away here. But it certainly you, makes you, you think about it. it. Yeah, it certainly makes you think about, was it worth it, dude? Because this is this is what you look like now, and it ain't good. As somebody who has multiple fantasy football teams, one of them that uh, I have uh, – uh, Equity stake in. <laughs> we, we, we have a LLC that runs this team, pretty much. Um, and we have Rodgers as a quarterback, and, you know, the three of us discussing, do we start him this week? I would. The greatest thing well, about football is, especially after week one, we do this after every week, but especially after week one, we think what we see first week of the season is like that's who the team is. Sometimes it just shit the bed. You know, Jacksonville beat Absolutely. Indianapolis first game of the season last year. They didn't win another game. And Indianapolis ended up being like, you know, two plays away from beating Buffalo and going against Kansas City. So, like, you know, we we, we love to overreact. I'm great at overreacting. I'm I'm especially good at it. So, I, But I don't want to make too much of this. But it's just – If it wasn't Rodgers, right? So Aaron Rodgers had statistically an incredibly horrible game. Oh. I, I think I saw the stat that if he threw every pass – into the ground, he would have a better yeah. passer rating than what he what he had. Yes, because he wouldn't have had any interceptions. If it's anybody <laughs> but Aaron Rodgers, 
I think we're like, ah, you got to roll the dice. Like, I'm trying to think what is comparable would be, you know, I mean, Brady's an easy one, a Roethlisberger, a Dak, a Josh Allen, uh, even a guy like Kyler or Tua. Like, I think if they have that type of – correct me if I'm wrong. I think if it's one of those guys, you're like, ah, it's one game. It's no big deal. But isn't it a little different with Aaron Rodgers and all his BS well, and everything? I don't. I actually look – well, yeah. Okay. Yes and no. So here's the yes. Uh, no, it's not different. But yet it's different because we 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 are including Aaron's kind of weirdness into the analysis of what happened. Like so, we're looking at it and saying, "Well, Aaron was kind of a douche all off season, and now he goes and shits the bed." And and no, it's not it's not the same because I look and I say he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, whether we like him or not. And I don't like him, and I wouldn't want him on my team because I just don't think. He's a real championship quarterback anymore. I think he's very much front runner. I've been saying this for months since this podcast started. Um, it, the reality is he's very, very good. And he is competitive, whether Absolutely. I like him or not. So my guess is he's going to come out this week and have a really good game. And I think they're playing the Detroit Lions. They are on Monday night. Which... Yeah, so I'm expecting three, four touchdown passes out of Aaron Rodgers. I'll, I expect that offensive line. Here's what you'll see these guys do, because the offensive line is what really struggled. They had a really hard time up front. So they'll have to make some adjustments where they use backs in protection. They'll keep a tight end. Backs and tight end. You have to. You, you have you to. simplify it. But I think against Detroit, you can do that and still smash them, you know? Right. And also, speaking of Detroit, that was the game in the – I believe that that was also in a one o'clock time slot. Yes. That was a game. So, hi, I'm Chris Coleman. I may or may not have a gambling problem. Uh, so, in a survivor, in a survivor pool, um, taking a look at it and was kicking it around and kind of ran it by my old man. I'm, I'm like San Fran's to, to Lock City, right? Yeah, no way they're losing that game. And the other thing is, I a team like San Fran, they have tough divisional games. For like sure. I would want no part of Arizona. I'd want no part of Seattle or LA. So non-divisional game against arguably the worst team in the football. You're like, yep, yep send get it. the win. The amount of times Scott Hanson was going to that game red zone as the game kept going on and on. I'm like sitting here going like, uh-oh, yeah, because it got bananas uh-oh, at uh-oh. the end. It, it just went. Oh, yeah. It and, went sideways. It was. I mean, they were winning. What was it like 41 to 17? I mean, it was whatever the hell they were up. Something insane. It's like yeah. wonderful. With like six minutes, with like five minutes left. Yeah, it was. So that that's one of those that I go like, all right. You want to look at the final score. You want to look at what happened at the end and say like, oh, maybe San Fran's not so good, dude. They went to sleep. They went to sleep. They figured this game is over. But if you're betting that game, or if you got them like you're saying in a suicide pool, oh my god, you're shitting bricks, man. Thinking, you know, I don't know. Did San Francisco still cover the spread? They won by eight. What were they? Uh, I don't know if they were, I, I think they did. It depends. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I think I, they still I'm did. I'm in a pick'em league, which is great because my buddy's mom runs it. She she's a Jets fan, and she definitely has a gambling problem. Poor lady. Uh, no shout outs here. <laughs> we're we're, <laughs> we're not mentioning names. Keep it anonymous. It used to be great because she would send out the lines like Tuesday or Wednesday, and you, you'd look at some lines, and it's like, all right, well, that's like. A net gain of five points, and as you know, it's hard to pick. It's huh. hard to pick against the spread. It's hard to pick. Oh, you're going to give me like four points? It's hard to pick straight up 
I, yeah. It was the first thing I wrote about this. As usual, things never go as we expect with the NFL. No. You know, that's why I said Buffalo loses to the Steelers. Uh, it's just, you know, Seattle, just so here's one that I got here now. Seattle whacks Indianapolis. Like, they made it look easy. And the one thing that Seattle hasn't had for the last couple of years was a pass rush. I don't know that they did. They made that many changes on their defensive line, and they totally got after the Colts. So it begs the question, like, was it the Seattle pass rush? Or was it the fact that the Colts' offensive line is a little banged up? You got guys with the foot injury. You got COVID. Like, you know. It, it was an well, that's also, I think, a lot of the recency bias of what did we last see? So For sure. we saw Seattle, I don't want to say crater last year, but if you They played had, poorly down the down the stretch though. They did. Oh, and if you had either Tyler Lockett or Russell Wilson, like I had in one of the fantasy leagues, I mean they literally took me from playoff contention to worst team in the league because they're like, Yeah, we're gonna suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's not that easy. It, it's not as simple as that, but it's just mind numbing of, you know, you look at a four game stretch and you're just like, wow, they're doing nothing. They look bad. And the Colts who lost to Jacksonville week one. Right. Exactly. And then a couple plays out. So, you know, I think that that was a situation where we're too high on Indianapolis and we're too low on Seattle. Or, or it's just one of those weeks. Because so, that's why th- that Jacksonville game that you bring up from last year is what it was. What makes me look and say, is 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 this a coaching organization issue where they're not ready come the start of the season? Because they, Which they, is they laid an egg. That's, when that's totally unacceptable. Ready. Yeah, that's when you're at your healthiest. You know, that's when you're excited. It's a home opener, and you go and shit the bed. And that's a lot of times you have like ten days to prep because you play like your last. Um, your last uh, uh, preseason games typically like Thursday, Friday, right. Saturday. Well, this was two so weeks. You're picking they up hadn't played extra- in two weeks, so they had plenty of time to be healthy and everything like that. We often That's- comment. We often comment on some of the things that we hear uh, we hear and see on TV or radio. And Keyshawn Johnson talked about this game a little bit, and he started off by saying, "Well, sometimes the, you know, because Carson Wentz, Wentz got beat up, he got sacked a lot." He said, "Well, a lot of times this is the quarterback's fault because he'll drift off his spot." Now. He's absolutely right that a lot of times that the, the quarterback will drift, and Carson Wentz is actually famous for that. But Keyshawn, did you watch the game? Like, just go watch the highlights. Go, just go watch the plays where Wentz got sacked. He it, that wasn't the case. So while yeah, you're right in general, you're wrong as usual because I, I, I swear to God, I think he just like does his his show in the morning and then just goes and drinks pina coladas the rest of the day and doesn't watch sports. Because they literally, if you watch when Wentz got sacked, this was a major problem for him in Philly. Is drift? He'll take his five step drop and then drift off his off his spot, off his landmark. And why that? For those who are listening, you're like, what the hell does that matter? Because your guards and tackles, especially, are thinking where you are. They they have a, a almost like a if you can picture like a clock in your head. And if you're a right guard, you're thinking Wentz is at your 7 o'clock. And if you're a right tackle, you're thinking Wentz is at your 8 o'clock on a five-step drop. On a seven-step drop, it's a little tighter angle. So, like, it's important because you as a lineman are thinking, where do I have to position myself to protect this? On a three-step drop, it's even quicker. He's more like your 9 o'clock. You know, it's going to be really, really tight angle. So you don't want anybody getting inside as opposed to outside. 
So that was a major problem for him when he was in Philly. Go watch the game against Seattle. That wasn't the issue. And that's what I'm like sitting there like, dude, what are you? I hear what you're talking about, but you could you, before you make a comment like that, could you at least look at the highlights and see how Wentz got hit? Dude, he was barely hitting his fifth step and getting clobbered. Like, I don't mean just a hand on him. He was getting clobbered. So that wasn't, it wasn't the case, which is actually, you know, gives, I'll give some credit to Frank Reich that he's cleaned that up with Wentz. Hit your five steps and stay in your, you know, stay on your landmark until there's pressure. But there was so much pressure. It was, it was, it was sometimes it was two, three guys that were hitting them. Is the happy feet in a pocket? And you've coached football. I've seen it. And it's one of the things that you can kind of tell pretty quickly if somebody has it or if they don't have it. Yeah. Is that a incredibly fatal flaw? Like if somebody has Definitely. that, is it just the. Oh, no, it's horrible. It's a horrible thing to have. It can be corrected, though. Uh, yeah, but so like we were talking about that last week when we were talking about Clemson versus Georgia. So what happens is when you have happy feet, you're anticipating pressure. You cannot anticipate pressure as a quarterback. You have to react to pressure. But it's not human nature. <laughs> you know, if you get hit 19 times in a row, human nature, your human psychology says, look out for that same thing again. But you can't do that. Flinch, move. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't be looking at the line and reading defenses down the field. Um, I don't I don't see that from Wentz. Uh, that's not what I'm seeing from Wentz. I've seen that from a number of courts. So what you see, that's something that kind of comes with time. We were talking Joey Harrington a couple weeks ago when he was with Detroit. He got beat so many. He got just pummeled so many times. David Carr, if you remember when he first came up with the Houston Texans. Dude, you know, he, he led the league in sacks by, like, 20. What This next closest guy had 20 fewer sacks. Yeah, you're going to get gun-shy. You're going to get, um, you know, happy feet where you're anticipating the rush. And guess what? Sometimes a rush doesn't come, and your line actually does a decent job, but you're still anticipating it, which means you're not reading defenses down the field, which is a major problem. That's not what I saw with Wentz. Uh, I didn't see that. I saw genuine – I saw good drops, good footwork. And genuine pressure that was just pummeling. And a lot of times it was more than one guy. It's one thing if it's just one guy and you can kind of chip him. More often than not, it was more than one guy, which is a major problem, which is something to keep an eye on with, with Indianapolis. We were told that they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. Uh, yeah, I mean, coming into this year, everything, yeah. you know, Pro Bowls, yes. if you read any of the analytics yeah, they run the ball, they, they pass protect. It was not a good exhibition. So, again... Let's see what happens in week two. Uh, but um, that that was not <laughs> that was not a good look for them. Uh, on the other side, surprisingly positive, especially for us down here in South Jersey. Not for me, I don't really care. But for a lot of people here in South Jersey, the Eagles go into Atlanta and just in every way, shape, or form, offense, defense, special teams, just trounce the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I'm not so surprised that they won. I'm surprised how they won and how convincingly they won. Yeah, I mean, that's also, you know, if you were in the 1 o'clock time slot, I saw more of your games. If you were in the 4 o'clock, I was, you know, busy, you know, trying to be an apprentice pipe fitter in my own house. <laughs> um, it, I, maybe it's a good thing I didn't watch the 4 o'clock games because as a Giants fan, I probably wouldn't still have my 55-inch Samsung. I'd probably have a remote wedged in the middle of it. Um I'm just like I look at Atlanta. I'm like, are you guys really that bad? Like, well, that's the question now, right? 
we always we've known for years now their defense is bad. But they scored what six points against the Eagles at home? Your home opener? You still have Matt Ryan. You still have Calvin Ridley. You have. I think a, that they were a home home dog too. I don't think they were a dog because I think they were a favorite, but it wasn't by much. But you can't you can't lose that game to the Eagles, who are predicted to finish last in their division. Like you can't lose that game thirty two to six. Like that just no, can't happen. No, thirty two to six is called uh, we didn't show up. So that's one of those games where I feel like I learned a lot because I'm like, wow, you got a new head coach who's an offensive minded head coach. You still have Matt Ryan. You st- you have Kyle Pitts who you just drafted. You have Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Like, and you scored six. The, the cupboard <sighs> is not bare on the offensive side. No, no, that's why. Does that mean? And it. Does that mean that the Eagles' defense is that good? Does that mean that mm-hmm. I don't take anything mm-hmm. from that for the Eagles' that, offense? That ain't the steel curtain. Well, that's well, I don't know because that is a legitimate offense. They shut down a real offense there. I I I don't want to get too excited about the Eagles' offense because the Atlanta defense is bad. Swiss cheese. It's bad, and it has been for a while. But it is intriguing, and I am interested to see what happens moving forward with that Eagles' defense because let's be honest. If that is their defense, is if their defense is that good or even close to that good, they're going to be in a lot of games. They're going to be in a lot of games and quite possibly not have as bad a season as many thought, which I am on the record as saying I don't think they're going to be that bad. I don't think they're good. I don't even think they're a playoff team, but I don't think they're a two or three win team, which is what some people were saying. So I think they're going to be a problem. And now we, you know, nah, we, we watched your team last it. night. We watched the Giants last night. Ah, it's um, it's not good. It's not good. You know. No, I, I mean, I'm happy to see they they looked better than obviously. And like I said, I I had the red zone on. I could tell that they weren't going to the Giants game much. I'm like, oh, that, that's not, not a, a bad sign. thing. Yeah. Well, well, it's also not a bad thing because. Right. We know the Giants can play a little bit of defense. They didn't look terrible. I just have to wonder, is Saquon, is he cooked? Yeah, that's a question I have as well. I don't know that he's cooked, but there's definitely – he's definitely not the same yet. He's not all the way back. I think he's 100% physically. I think the knee is fine physically, but – there's something going on there, man, because he's there's hesitation. Um, there's hesitation Correct. even in just the way he answers questions about it. Like he's not gung ho. Like let's go do this. He's like the you way know, he we'll hits. See. I don't hole. know. The, the way he hits holes. Yeah. And, and listen, I know that that Giants offensive line is terrible. It's not that um, good. My high school probably had a better offensive line. Yeah. Um. But I can't tell you how many times I saw last night. One yard, two yard run, and he's just literally running to the back of his right guard. I'm yeah. going, dude. Like, if you don't want to bounce it out, then you got to do something different. Yeah, he looks like he's. If I could put it in a word, the word would be careful. Like he looks careful, and I just don't know and as that's a running when you back get in the NFL. Hurt. Yeah, exactly. I don't think you do that in the NFL. I don't think you do that in college. But he's so talented, he would probably have gotten away with it. But you can't do that in the NFL. These guys are too goddamn good. You can't just come out and be careful. You're gonna get. You're gonna. You're gonna. Ha- you're gonna find a lot of trouble. And I just, you know, we watched Cincinnati. Cincinnati played. Uh, who the hell did Cincinnati play? Minnesota. Oh, they played Minnesota and beat them. And and there was questions of whether Joe Burrow, because of his knee, he, you know, sounded before that game. He sounded like he was unsure. 
certainly didn't look it. He he looked just fine and played really well. You're not seeing that with Saquon Barkley. I just I see careful trepidation, uh, hesitation, and man, at that position, you just you can't you can't go like that. You can't you can't go slow. You can't be careful. So that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, it's, it's it's concerning. It's kind of scary to Daniel Jones, who is not a runner by any means, is the Giants' leading rusher. I, it, I I I may have to I may have to get a second job and work Sunday afternoons for my sanity. So uh, Mike Williams left a comment for us. Wentz's goal is to hand the ball off, extend plays, and not to turn the ball, turn over the ball. He isn't going to throw the ball thirty-five plus times. I don't think they want him to do that either. I think that's probably accurate. Uh, but you don't have to, you know, if you throw the ball twenty-five times and you're getting sacked five of those times, that's it's not good. Not a good ratio. Yeah, that's not that's not going to be acceptable. So they're going to have to figure out a way, uh, you know, to protect him. Uh, what about, I don't know if you had a chance to watch this game much because uh, it was a four o'clock game, Browns and Kansas city. This is another one of those where you'll hear people say, well, the Browns lost, but, uh, it's another one of these like moral victories. And I just, I call bullshit. And this is why I continue to question. Um, I continue to question Baker Mayfield. Listen, it was easy for him in the first three quarters. I guess you can say they're winning. They're running the ball. They're winning. It's all good. Boy, as soon as Kansas City takes the lead, Baker goes basically goes three and out, and then the last drive when he had the ball and with a chance to go down the field, he throws an interception. And you say, well, okay, great. I'm not trying to say he's not a starting starting quarterback in this league, but I'm not going to sit here and say he's elite or he's even top ten because you've shown multiple times when the chips are down and you need that final drive, you're not the guy to do it. And you folded well, like a cheap suit again against a team that isn't exactly like a really good defense. That's the thing with perception. I mean, think about how we talk about Jake Plummer. So Jake Plummer was notorious for playing on absolutely horrible Arizona teams and all the fourth quarter comebacks. Right. And it took till later in his career when he went with Scott's Denver Broncos where we're like, oh, Jake Plummer could play. And it's like, no, he could always play. He was always that guy. He was that guy at Arizona State. He was that guy in Arizona for a million years. And some guys can just – some guys are better under pressure and some guys aren't. And I'm thinking Baker's – Well, I don't – here's the thing. I don't know if it's the pressure or if it's the fact – okay. And so this this ends up being a very similar argument that we have with like a Lamar Jackson. Here's why. You know, I mentioned with Baker in the beginning of the game, the, the running game is going. There's three quarters left in the game. There's two quarters left in the game. You're winning the game. And he looks good. And the numbers are there. But at the end, you have to have a drive and you have to throw the ball. And the other team knows you're throwing the football. And now you're stumped. And this it's is an the, easy game when it's second and five. Yeah, this is when the Lamar Jackson in, in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. When it's second and five with a minute and a half left and you need to drive down for a field goal or a touchdown, they know you're throwing it. Lamar Jackson, sim- similar situation. You're losing. Uh, you have to throw the ball. You can't run. You can't continue. You can't run the ball when there's 45 seconds left and you're on your own 35 yard line. You have to throw it, and you're just not getting it done. Uh, so this is the problem. Oop! I just lost my earphones here. This is the problem when you know the other team. We look at elite quarterbacks in this league and we say, "Oh, uh, Patrick Mahomes." Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. 
Uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers to a degree, but Ben Roethlisberger, Josh Allen, like the other team knows you're throwing the ball, and it doesn't friggin' matter. You know, it doesn't matter. Kyler Murray, I guess to to a degree, Kyler Murray, uh, Deshaun Watson when he's not you know raping women. Uh, I'm oh, not I saying, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying he's raped anybody, but if, if he did, uh, it's probably better to throw touchdowns than to rape women. So, like, the, the other team knows you're going to be throwing the football, and it doesn't matter. You're able to get completions, drive down. Dude, Tyler, Taylor Heineke did it yesterday against the Giants. They had Derek Carr out the yeah, come, Yes, Lamar. Derek Carr, perfect example the other night. This is why Derek Carr is better because he's able, the other team knows you're going to throw the ball. There's 45 seconds left. And you went enough distance to get your team in a position to kick a field goal. And Baker repeatedly has been in that position and not been able to, to pull the pull off. So, so you got a kind of question, and I did stay up to watch the Monday night game, which was bananas. Um, you almost got a question. What is Baltimore doing in that situation? I mean, that's a blown coverage, but like you can't have that in overtime. You cannot have that in overtime. You have to idiot-proof your defense. But this is kind of what I'm talking about. It's a blown coverage, but the quarterback found his man. Like the, the at the end of the Browns, he, you could have hit. I could have hit him. Peter Richard. Listen, I still hit have him. a very good arm. I probably could have. I probably could have done that. But what I'm saying is, at the end of the Browns game, you know, it's second down, and he throws an interception. Either take the sack or throw it out of bounds. You can't throw an interception there. Like, live to another play. And then mm -hmm. you find the guy who breaks open. Guys break open, and if they do, it's your right. job to find him. They don't always find him. You know, Daniel Jones last night, uh, was it Slayton that at the end of the game? that that? Listen, I don't call that a drop. I don't think that was a drop. I think he missed it. I think he could have caught it. I think it's a tough catch, It you know. But I don't. I wouldn't call it a drop. The, the over the shoulder catch is not the easiest. Well, it was also it, he was fully extended. And it was kind yeah, of fingertip um, kind of yeah. thing. I think he should have caught it. You're a professional, dude. I mean, he's a professional receiver. He's not. No, mean. Listen, when, when he gym dropped class. that, I would. Yeah, when he dropped that, I was saying to myself, I hope this guy gets a job collecting tolls at right. 13A right. on the turnpike. But the quarterback found him. Daniel Jones found him. Correct. Like that's your job. A guy's going to break open. That's your job to find. That means you're reading the defense. And I don't see that from Baker a lot. I don't see him finding that guy. I don't see him making that play or making those plays on a final drive. And I'm going to question him until I start to see that at least more consistently. You know, one time now, isn't going to be enough. You're going to have to show up more than that. With Baker, how much do you think if you have a coach or – I'm trying to figure out how to word this. You coach, you have some experience. And there's some guys that just don't get – or it's difficult. So you almost try to simplify your offense of the, hey, I'm going to give you a play where one guy runs a post and then one guy runs an out. And if safety does this, you do that. Yeah. Like, I don't think this is an issue with Baker of like it's too complicated. I just think, okay, everyone has a But ceiling. it's not physical. It's not that he doesn't have no, the weapons but it's, or tools. It's, but everyone has a ceiling. It's reaction right. time. It's 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 how quickly can you process. You know, you want to look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady is nowhere near the greatest athlete to ever step on the field. No. Certainly at his position, there are more athletic guys. It's And same with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning didn't have the strongest arm, was not very mobile at all. But processing, how quickly can you process what you see and then pull the trigger? And everyone has a ceiling. So Baker did it really, really well in college, but 
I don't see him getting much better. Um, this is the best situation he's going to have for the rest of his career. He's making, you know, he's on his rookie contract. You have receivers all over the place, tight ends, running backs. You got the best offensive line in the league. Uh, it doesn't. It's not going to get better than this. It's only going to get more difficult. It's going to. You're going to have less talent moving forward once he starts making thirty, thirty-five, forty million dollars a year if they give him that contract, which I assume they will at some point. So this is the best situation possible, and you're not getting it done. That's a problem. I, I just that's a problem, and that's probably why the Browns are still hesitating to give him an extension or his new contract or whatever, because they're not seeing it. It's again, you you said it before. It's easy to. It's easy to play second and five when it's you're up 14-3 in the second quarter. I can do well. I could go do well now. But that's not what you're getting paid for. That's not why you're the highest play, paid player in the, in the league, the position. And uh, it's, it's for the fourth quarter. Most of these games are somewhere between a field goal and a touchdown. Almost 80%, 75% of games come down to one possession. So you're probably going to get a chance if you're losing. You're probably going to get a chance at the end of the game to win. And if you're winning, you're going to have a chance to run out the clock. And I got to be honest with you, he's not really good at either one of them. You know, he's not uh, He's not really good at either one of them. So, so we'll see. I, we'll see. I mean, I look at Cleveland, and I'm thinking that this might be – I like to call it the Hindenburg season. You know that this is going to be a big explosion. Look, yeah. Like almost like the I, – I, I'm kind of here to watch this um, just because that division's tough. It is. Baker, and Cincinnati's even, got, Cincinnati's clearly better than they've been. So they're no, they're no pushover. You're not just going to walk over Cincinnati because they can score. God forbid Cleveland falls behind Cincinnati. Now Baker has to throw 35, 40 times, 45 times. You're going to win that game? I don't know yeah, who would, in, in that situation. Who do you want? You want Baker Mayfield or Joe Burrow? I'll take Joe Burrow. I'll take Joe Burrow I, too. I'd almost rather have Lamar Jackson right now. I, I can't disagree with that. I can't because uh, you know Baker's not like a runner. You're not getting. You don't have that advantage. So you know no. this is this is the problem with him. Um, let's see what else I got here. Oh, we got to talk about Dallas a little bit. Oh. And the people just just stroking Dak like. Dude, if you think we them boys that you're gonna have a winning season with your quarterback throwing the ball 58 times, like come on, you can't He's win not like 100% that. Percent healthy. No, you can't live like that. He's not doesn't gonna he, make it. <laughs> I don't watch hard knocks, but doesn't he have like some sort of shoulder He's elbow? Got shoulder. Thing He's got a shoulder going? injury, some wear Which and tear. Ain't gonna get better during the season. Well, listen. He looked good. I'm not trying to say he didn't look good. I'm just trying oh, yeah. to say you can't play like that 17 games. And there's a there was a statistic that was thrown out there when when in the last what seven times the last seven times that uh, Dak has had to throw a ball 49 times or more, which is a ton. That's a lot. They're one and six, and the one win that they had was against Atlanta with a miracle comeback on you know like the only onside kick that was recovered that season. So like. You can't win like that. Your defense still stinks. And and I'll say this, I'll go this far. Tampa Bay didn't play there didn't play very well. No, Tampa Tampa, Tampa didn't play they well. They didn't look like they were firing on all cylinders. Um even Tom Brady missed some throws that he would normally make earlier in the game. He made him he made a lot of them later and he had a great game, but like that was not premier prime Tampa. So, you know, and Dak yeah, played his brains out and you still lost. <laughs> 
like this is what blows my mind. Be like, oh, Dak was great. You you played you played a team that didn't play their best game. Your quarterback played out of his mind through for almost five hundred yards, and you lost. Like you're not going to do that every week. <laughs> Zeke doesn't look good either. No, he looks weak. He looks soft. So, and now they got injuries. You got injuries on a defensive line. You got injuries on the offensive line. You got guys taking PEDs on the offensive line. Well, well I'm sure they're all taking PEDs. Well, one guy got caught taking PEDs on the offensive line. It's uh, I've been. I'm not high on you. Got da- people want Dallas to do so good. I'm talking with the media here. Matt, the media wants Dallas to do so friggin' good. And oh, the world's a better place when Dallas is good. Because it is either people are watching them or people are going. I right. hate this team. So Let's- I get it. I get that they're invested in Dallas being good, but then that's not journalism. Like that's not. You're not doing analysis. You're doing wishful thinking. Well, and I don't know I, I anybody mean, who can take an honest look at this team and say, well, they're going to be really good this year. Now, does Dallas play Cleveland this year? Because I'm here for the tire fire bowl. I don't know. They played them last year. I'm not sure about the rest of their schedule. But they have uh, – who do they have this week? They got a really tough game this week. Oh, they got the Chargers. Um, yeah, they got the Chargers. So it doesn't get any easier. Chargers San have, Diego can give them issues. Well, they're in L.A. now, but yeah. Um. Really, Peter? Really? <laughs> All right, so we're gonna we're gonna do something here. We're starting a new segment on this uh, on this podcast. Scotty was supposed to be here for this, but oh, I got strapped. My I got strapped. My throat. So you probably it sounds like he didn't have enough bourbon. Yeah, that's probably what, alcohol or, is germs. Strep is you have germs in your throat. Or he was out. He was at that Denver game against the Giants and had a few too many. And it that was up. on Sunday. And it I caught mean, up to him. Yeah, I think it might have caught up to him. Poor fella. It's anyway, I'm sure, after I'm, four days, I'm sure you've poisoning. heard the game that like kids play called uh, "Give Me Give Me Five Down Low Too Slow." Like my mm-hmm. son used to love doing that because he used to love like pulling his hand away from grandpa and you know making grandpa look silly. So we're gonna do a new segment. We're gonna do this every week. It's called High Five Down Low, but don't know. So what we're gonna give you is. Uh, five the five what I think are the five best teams in the league right now, and then I'm going to give you down low, which is what I think are the three worst teams in the league, and then the don't know is like a couple teams that I don't I don't know what to think of them just yet. All right, so here here we go with this. Uh, here are my high five. I'm going to start with the two pretty obvious ones: Kansas City and Tampa. And here here's what here's really why they're the they're really the top two. Never mind top five. The score doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter when it's Tom Brady and it doesn't matter when it's Patrick Mahomes. They could be down by 21 points and you're like, this game isn't over. You know, if the Jets are down 21, you're like, it's fucking over. If the Browns are down 21, you're like, it's over. That's it. And, and frankly, Giants are down seven. Good night, Irene. <laughs> some teams, the number doesn't have to be that high. But like Kansas City, if they're down 21, you're like, uh, this game's got a long way to go. It's not even close to over. And Kansas City proved that this past weekend. So KC and Tampa are right there. I got to put Seattle in there. Now, I have Seattle winning the NFC West, but I, I just think you go into Indianapolis and beat the Colts and you beat them handily, they got to be one of your top five teams. And so that's what I saw. Um, I got the Rams. Now, I listen, they beat the Bears. I think the Bears are bad. You know, Stafford looked great, but I think the Bears are bad. And I've said this before, the Rams are thin. They have great stars, but then they have nobody behind them because they pay so much money for for so many stars. 
But Which you you have to think with the extra game this year, that's got to be a problem. Depth is important, right? You got more games, so depth is important. But after week one, going by what I saw, I gotta say, I think the Rams are look. They looked great on both sides of the ball. Um, they looked they looked really good. So I, I have to give that to them. And number five, this one might be a surprise, and this will probably disappoint you. But I actually think Denver is is what? is one no. of the best teams no, in the no, league no, right no, now. No, no, no. no, I really do. Uh, because it, what I saw was a, a very complete team. I saw a team that could run the ball. I saw a team that has a really good offensive line. I saw a team that has an exceptional defense. And Teddy Bridgewater did what Teddy Bridgewater does, which is make a few plays but make no mistakes uh, and keep your team in the game until a couple few plays are made. I thought that was as solid a win as you're going to see. They kept a Giants offense, which does have some weapons down, and they scored some points mm. against what we at least thought, I don't know after last night if we still think it, but we thought was a pretty good defense. And I look around the rest of the league, and I have so many questions on so many other teams, and Denver was one of the five teams that left me with fewer questions. So that's those are my high well, five. I got a question for you. Denver or San Diego, who you got? Right now. Well, doesn't matter where the game is, neutral, just. I would probably. I, I would probably venture a guess. I, I'm i sorry, the LA Chargers, yeah. excuse me. I would probably take the, I would probably take the Chargers. Okay. But that's speculation. I'm going off of what I saw in the first week. And I think those are the two, so those are the two teams that I was bouncing off of, you know, like thinking about. But then I'm like, Jesus Christ, if you look at my top five, four of the teams are from two divisions. So you got Kansas City and Denver, and then I have, you know, I was thinking about the Chargers, and you have Seattle and Rams, or also in the same division. So the West is dominating right now in the NFL, and then you have Tampa down here in the Southeast. Well, it's only in the NFL; they're clearly not dominating college, which Correct. I'm sure we'll discuss. Oh, big time! Um, yeah, big time. But I just think if you ask me, like what I saw, like San Diego, San Diego. See, now you got me saying San Diego. Sorry, the, Char- <laughs> the Chargers' defense looked really good. Um, but now what I saw the Giants just do to Washington, it makes me question the Chargers offense. I love Justin Herbert. I'm a I'm a I'm as big a Justin Herbert fan as there as there can possibly be, unless you're a Chargers fan, obviously. Um But, you know, they didn't they didn't score a ton of points, and Washington's defense, now that we've seen them play Giants, hasn't looked great. So my top five, my high five, my high five for this week are Kansas City, Tampa, and not in any specific order, just the high five. Kansas City, Tampa, Seattle, the Rams, and Denver. Yeah. I think Scotty will like I, to hear that. Oh, I'm sure that Scotty's <laughs> probably going to be calling He'd in probably right be surprised now. He, he knows I'm usually trying to break his chops, and instead I'm throwing Denver in there. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I get the split in hairs between – the LA Chargers as well as Denver because I think we're both looking at the Giants Washington game from last night and we're like, well, what do we what do we have here? Yeah, what do we know about the Chargers now that we saw the Giants do what they did to Washington? So maybe it, maybe mm-hmm. it's not as impressive a win as I thought, which I did think at the time. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a big win to go East, one o'clock game, beat the Skins, bet one of the best defense in the league. And now I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it's not one of the best defensively I thought it was, but it didn't. No, I mean, hasn't skins, looked it yet. The Skins probably should have lost that game because if the Giants don't jump yes, off sides, which I don't understand why you're trying to jump off sides when you're in the A gap on the 
Nobody in the history of football has ever blocked a kick from the A gap. Yeah, there's that. that that's just, and the ball's in front of you. So if he doesn't the ball do that, is in front of you, he doesn't do that. The guy misses the field goal, and Correct. and the skin and the skins and a Washington football team is an zero and two team, and that's what I'm saying. And then you're questioning: Are the Chargers as good as they looked in Week One? So this is the, the problem with just having one week under our belts. Night, and that's why I'm saying I'm not sold. I'm not sold on them. But you know, where am I going to find a fifteen? Well, it's this is what I'm saying. Somebody's got to be five. And I it's did waffle. It was what I'm saying. You can say Green Bay. NFC North goes 0 and 4. <laughs> One team yeah, won. And the NFC West goes 4 and 0. And the NFC and the AFC West goes 4 and 0 also. Because you've got Kansas City, uh, Raiders, Chargers, yeah. and Denver. All won. So Right. And and the Raiders, even though they were home on Monday night, I don't think anyone was giving them a viable chance. No, I think most people thought they were gonna lose that game. Maybe close, but you thought they were going to lose. So that's why I, I'm looking at I'm saying. I took the Raiders because I got points. Yeah, and, and if I'm being honest with you, I mean, you could have easily had the whole NFC West on this list. You think San Francisco isn't one of Why? Because they gave up a shit ton of points. They trashed Detroit. It was 41-17. The, the running back injury kind of scares me a little bit with Mozart. Uh, Mozart. I mean, that defense, I think, can play. Yeah. Debo, Debo well, that's what I'm saying. Because of the way I the game ended, because of the way the game ended, I can't put him in a top five. So that's why. And do I think if the, again, you, uh, so I'll put it in your terms. If Denver was playing San Francisco, who would I pick? I'd probably take Frisco. Oh, I I would take them. Yeah, without even yeah. hesitating. But off of what I saw week one, I can't take that away from Denver. So I got to give it to him. All right, so here's my Denver download. Arizona. Who you got? You know, I don't know what to think about Arizona yet because I was already if you listen to this podcast, you know this. I'm down on Tennessee. They lost offensive linemen, they lost a tight end, and I wasn't I didn't think it was the biggest deal in the world that they got Julio Jones because they're a running team and they couldn't run the ball. Why? Because their offensive line was I don't care how good a freaking running back you are. You're not good enough to run over defensive tackles and defensive linemen that aren't being blocked. Okay? And they got stuffed because, to me, they're, they lost starting offensive linemen, and maybe they thought they replaced them, and maybe they did. Maybe we'll find out that they're making adjustments and everything's going to be fine. But they didn't look at it in week one. Derrick Henry now, did they, not have a game. That, I think, was the game where people were like, wait, what? Yeah. Now, I didn't, I didn't find that because I'm pretty sure if you ask the people that I wager with and, you know, uh, people in my fantasy league, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, I'm a closet Arizona fan because I literally have – I find myself watching Arizona probably more than I – and I can't explain it. I've, I spent 20 minutes in Sky Harbor Airport. It's not like I'm from there. I don't have family there. I, I just – they – they're always in games, and I wouldn't write off yeah. Kyler. And they're I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you on that out. at all. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. How about here's my down low? Here's my here's my three down low teams. These are three worst teams in the league. I don't know if I'm going to get much of an argument on this one. Jacksonville, dude. Thanks. They they go into Houston, or was it game at home? I don't remember. Maybe it was at Houston. It doesn't matter. It was at Houston because New Orleans was correct. At, You're right. Uh, Houston's supposed to be the worst team in the history of football because of all the nonsense that's going mm. on. Uh, you just got smoked by what was supposed to be the worst team in football. So Jacksonville is definitely on the down low. Uh, Atlanta, you know, 
if if the Eagles went in there and they won a game 31-27, 31-27, you know, like, okay, I mean, that's kind of what you expect. Atlanta scores a lot of points, but their defense stinks, and they get beat, but it's usually close or it's a shootout. Not the case. They scored six, Ooh. so your defense stinks and your offense stinks, and you get trashed by, again, a team that was uh, that most people predict to finish last in their division, which is not a good division. No. That's a bad loss. Where do you go from there? That's a bad team. And the third team I had in there, again, we've talked about it. And I know they, they finished the game off in a very interesting fashion. Uh, I, but I just don't – I'm not going to make too much of it because I think San Francisco probably went to sleep at that point. I think Detroit is, is one of the worst teams in the league. So I have Jacksonville, Atlanta, and Detroit as the three worst teams. Now, there are some others that are right on the brink. You can probably talk about them, and we'll find more as the season goes on, as things move. And I'll change this list from week to week. Um, you know, you can look and say, well, maybe the Jets belong somewhere on there. And maybe they do. But they didn't play like one of the worst teams in the league. They gave up 19 points, made it a close game in the second half. So I, ha- I can't I can't compare that to a Detroit team that gave up 40-something points. I can't, give, I can't compare that to an Atlanta team that lost 32-6 to to a bad team. I can't compare that to Jacksonville. Like, th- these... Those they played bad. They looked bad and played bad, and the game went bad. So those are my down. Those are my uh, down low teams. Any disagreements on any of those? No, nah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Jacksonville, I think, at this point, and I don't understand. I don't understand why you draft ETN. It's a then. It's probably hurt, I like the kid. Like the, I like the kid. Oh, love the kid. I just but, you have you have major needs way more uh important than than a running back it just it, it's a weird put one. it this way it'd be like if i drove a 1987 ford escort i'm like hey pete check out my sound system right like exactly it's unnecessary, a little bit. yeah get some new I tires mean, first and then Detroit, i got go, no go Detroit's ahead that, uh, atlanta atlanta to me is the scariest like i thought that they were bad and like you said they were bad on offense bad on defense I didn't really even see much. I thought Pitts was going to be a monster. He had 20 yards. <laughs> and I he's one of the players I was high on. I, I think, think the Eagles are a pedestrian team. Yeah, I think that says a lot about the Eagles' defense and really more about how they got after the quarterback and they kept pressure on him. But they look bad. Atlanta looked bad in every way, shape, or form. So I mean, we know Detroit's going to be bad. But, uh, you know, I kind of look at that list. I'm like, Atlanta, I'm like, ugh. But the one thing you thought with Atlanta, you thinking at least they're going to score some points. They're going to like those ga- that game against the Cowboys. That was a fun game to watch last year. That was just crazy. Oh, yeah. It was like it, it was very entertaining. Dude, thirty-two six. You just got whole, shit on. And they were down, so it's not yes. like it's not like hey, we're trying to run the ball. We're trying to run the ball. Oh, the team, you know, team scored a touchdown, and then we threw a pick six and lost by fourteen. Yeah. Like that was that was bad from Jump Street. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a uh, they're bad. And I would be surprised if that list changes that much over the year, but you never know. Tennessee might uh, <laughs> Tennessee might come around and and show you how bad they uh, are. Listen, the New York Giants ain't far off that list. Well, the Giants were someone who was, you know was considered <laughs> for this list no, too. Listen, I, I just think these other teams played even worse, but the Giants have not played well. All right, so here's two teams that I just don't know. So I gave you my high five. I gave me the down low. Now, here's two that I don't know. 
And uh, one of them played last night. We have a little more information, and that's why I still don't know because I don't know how to take what I saw last night and compare that with what I saw in week one. That's the Washington football team, a.k.a. the Redskins, soon to be the Commanders, maybe. Uh, I just – are you like are you sold on Taylor Heineke? What's going on with that defense, which is supposed to be a dominant defense in this league? I don't see it yet. Ron Rivera is a great defensive coach. I have to assume that that defense is going to come around because the personnel is all there from last year. I mean, he's got the ingredients to make yeah, sure on the defense. Yes. It, you know, that cupboard's not bare. I don't I – like, I liked Heineke. I thought he played pretty good. I get the – you get – you know, you go out, you get uh, Fitzpatrick because you can and you kind of needed a quarterback. Yeah. I just – but now he's hurt, and now it's like, you know, if you're Washington, do you just tank and get a quarterback? Do you? I, well, and, the problem is, I don't, I don't know that they're bad enough to tank, but they're not good enough to be it's like also really a hard good. Division tanking, I mean, yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you, you got the East Rutherford uh, Little Giants up Ooh. there. I'll probably lose to Cliffside Park. On my down low, they probably would have been number four. Yeah. Now, uh, honestly, when you sent that to me, and I'm like, mm, sure you want the there? <laughs> Did you write that before you went to bed? Yeah, I should have. I should have thought a little Washington, deeper about that. I, I just don't know. I mean, yeah, Terry that's McLaurin, the idea, right? I just don't know. Terry yeah, McLaurin played well. Oh. The Giants can cover wide receivers. Uh, Gibson. Now, I don't understand why Washington kind of got away from Gibson and went to McKinnick a lot more last night. Uh, that might just be the way it goes sometimes. Fantasy and yeah, that like, might just be the way look, it goes sometimes. It depends on how the roll, Giants are back. rolling coverages and all that kind of stuff and what's going on, timing. I, I, it's hard. That's a hard I, one to say. But I just don't yeah. know about. I don't know about Washington right now. I don't know what I've seen. I don't know how to compare. I week think last night's week game two. makes it more difficult. Yes, to know. I totally agree. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm 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 going off of both games, and it's like I don't know who this team is. You know, and 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 how could you use this information? If you're listeners, how could you use this information? I would stay away from don't know teams. If you're if you're betting on some of these games, stay away from don't know. If, if there's teams, and it's not just the two that I'm going to give you because I got one more here. If there's a team that you're watching or you're thinking of betting, you're like, I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know who they are. Stay away. Listen, I. If the number's high enough, I would bet Pete's Assumption Rams against, you know, Fight Slam and Jamma <laughs> if given the opportunity. But yeah. Put it this way. Um so well, Washington played last night. I took the Giants because that number was three and I didn't think Washington was good. I, I knew the Giants weren't good, and I kind of figured it was gonna be a close game. I'll take the backdoor cover. You know, it's uh, funny, if the then, Giants don't if the Giants don't jump offside. They win that they game, win. and your opinion of them suddenly changes. Like, oh, okay, they're one and one now. Uh, maybe they're not terrible. Well, the rest of the game happened exactly how it happened. So, wouldn't we? You know, if they won the game, you'd be like, well, maybe they're not that bad. Well, they are who they were for the entire game. It's just this one boneheaded play. So maybe they're not as bad as we think they are. And, mm. But mm. but a loss is a loss. In the end, the loss is a loss. Here's my second right. team that I just don't know. And I mentioned it before because it's like, I can't believe this happened. It's the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts. I just don't know. 
Like, I can't believe... Here's why I don't know. We talked about it before. That game against Jacksonville last year, first game of the season, where they were favored by almost two touchdowns, and they ended up losing a game. They did the same thing again this year. Now, Seattle's definitely better than Jacksonville was last year, but you didn't. You wouldn't think that Seattle would just walk into Indy and just trounce them, and they did. I, I and mean, I, I, I took Seattle. I'm not really high on Indy, but I can tell you this. Indy's only getting three and a half against the Rams, or at least that's what you know. That's what my people have it at. Right, seems um, low, right? I'm, well, my my first instinct is like before I get these, I kind of make my lines, mm-hmm. and hey, like if it's more too. than two points, some, something's something's not right. I smell a trap. Right, Don't touch this. And we'll talk about and traps like, when I get to my when I get to my best bets this week because I'm going to fall right into one. But that's we'll talk about that later. I'm a sucker for the traps. But I, I'll be honest, like Andy getting three and a half at home against the Rams. Yeah, I'll be honest. I have no clue what they are because I, you know, I've been, I've had action. I've been gambling since I was an alumni at Peter Richards' current school. Yeah. Um, and I'm like thinking to myself, I've been around the block enough times to know seems like that an odd doesn't line. sound right. Yeah, it seems like so. an odd line. Hey, if you're listening on uh if you're listening on the podcast, you need to check out the Facebook live version because there's stuff that we get to before the before the podcast starts when we first go live that you're just not going to get on the podcast. Uh, a lot of times that's um, <clears throat> what's going on with the Thursday night game? Now, this was a weird week because Scotty got strep. The poor guy can't even talk. I feel so bad. But because he got strep, we, were, we weren't able to talk about the game before the game. But a lot of times what you'll, what you'll get on the Facebook Live is that we talk about the game that's going on Thursday night. And you're just not going to get that on a podcast because most of the time, people who listen, you're listening to the podcast after that after that Thursday game has already happened and our predictions are, while it's nice, you know, I don't want you to... <laughs> I don't want you to use it against me. How about that? So check out the Facebook Live. You can always come on Facebook, search my name, P. Calisano, and we're usually Thursdays at 4 o'clock. And if not, I'll have the link posted so that you'll see that, like, for this week it ended up being delayed. But it's usually Thursdays at 4 o'clock. And if you're listening, if you're watching us live, if we have guests that we have to pre-record, you need to listen to the podcast. Because you're not going to get that lot, you know, that pre-recorded interview that we do. Like a couple weeks ago, we had Mike Cohen from Sports Talk Nation. Next week, we have Josh Hennig coming on from ESPN Radio. Yes, that ESPN will be joining us, and we're probably going to have to record him at a separate time because he's got his regular ESPN show. So if you're listening, you're watching us live. That's great. We appreciate that. But you're going to have to check out the podcast to um, to get that Josh Hennig interview. Josh does a great job when he comes on with us, loaded with energy. Uh, I, we we love ha- we love having him on. You know, we're going to talk some Eagles, some other NFL, and I, I might have a couple UFC questions for him as well. So, Even better. You gotta, and where you can you get listen both. to the podcast? What a great question you asked, Chris. You can listen to the podcast on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, and the Anchor app. And the cool thing about the Anchor app, I'm sure you've heard this many times, but we're going to say it one more time. You can leave us a voice message. You know, when I give you my high five or down low or don't know and you disagree or with my stellar betting picks, my gambling picks, you can tell us what you think and, you know, leave us a voice voice message on the Anchor app and your message very likely will get on to the next episode, the next podcast episode. 
So that's where you can hear. Thanks for asking because I almost forgot to tell everybody that. Let's talk a little college football here. Uh, big game of the week last week, Ohio State versus Oregon. Uh, I'm, I was absolutely shocked at the outcome, and it goes to show you that the stuff that we tell you on this podcast is real because the one thing I told you pay attention to more than anything else after week one was that college football especially, teams make their biggest improvements between week one and week two. I don't know that any top 25 team looked worse other than maybe Washington, in the first week than Oregon. Oregon played like, uh, who the hell did they play? Fresno State maybe, and I think they, they might have won the game. They won the game, but it was like really close. Might have been like 17-10, 17-13, 17-7, whatever the heck it was. And you're thinking, wow, they got to go play Ohio State, who's just scored like 100 points against Minnesota. They're going to get smoked. Nope. Uh, they go into Columbus. It's basically like a 9 a.m. start for them because it was 12 o'clock start or a 10 a.m. start for them because it was like a, a, a noon start for them in Ohio. Uh, dude, they outplayed them from start to finish. Now, I will tell you that Ohio State has insane weapons on offense. That wep- that offense is going to be fine. All year that offense is going to be fine. Uh, they're going to score points. The defense is suspect. Oregon was able to run the ball. Oregon was able to throw the ball. The quarterback ran. Uh, the defense has got some serious problems, and when it comes to playing the rest of the Big Ten, uh, you know they have a talent gap over everybody else. There's no doubt about it. But there's an issue with that defense, and I'm very interested to see what happens the rest of the season with that. Well, isn't defense – correct me if I'm wrong. I may have heard you say this on the podcast previously, but don't you kind of need to play games for that defense to gel? You know, you can't really do it at seven-on-seven seven with shorts on. Yeah, it depends on how many new starters you have. This is a problem I had with, like, say, the Browns. They have, like, seven new starters on defense, and it showed. Um, So there were questions coming into the season about the Ohio State defense, but I don't know if if people were thinking it was going to be this rough. Because now we we look at – we have some information now after two weeks, right? This is what we learn a little more Mm -hmm. as the season goes on. You know, Minnesota scored a lot of points against Ohio State, and you're like, wow, maybe Minnesota's really good. Well, Minnesota didn't score as many points in week two. Now, they lost their starting running back. But my point is, like, that that now we look and we say, oh, it wasn't so much Minnesota. It's that Ohio State defense is pretty, is pretty porous. And honestly, I mean, we could go back to – yeah, it wasn't that long ago that they had Bobby Carpenter, A.J. Hawk. Yes. I think they had – three correct me if i'm wrong i think that they may have had three all big 10 linebackers i was just gonna say penn like state three is, linebackers were all three yeah penn state is considered a you know, linebacker, linebacker university U, but, but if you look through history ohio state really pumps out linebackers left and right i mean they really Andy uh, had some more mike rabel uh, you can go you, there's quite the list um so they got problems um and we'll see you know, it's interesting. I watch. You know, Michigan ends up Michigan ends up beating uh, Washington in a very physical game, and and Michigan, in, in a very real sense, and Harbaugh has kind of gone back to what he what he did at Stanford and who he was in San Francisco, which is physical, run the ball. You're not going to out athlete Ohio State, so go no. no. So no, go you, back and do what can. you do, which is that Stanford kind of be physical physical offensive line we're going to lean on you and eventually we're going to wear you out which is exactly what they did against washington 
and this is exactly if you ask Scotty, if you listen back in, you know, back in during the winter when we were talking about this, this is exactly what I said Harbaugh needed to do. Go do what you don't try to beat Ohio State at what they do well. Go do what you do well, which is develop an offensive line, have a great running game, have a great play action game. Go watch, go watch some film. On what Stanford did when Andrew Luck was there, which is when Harbaugh was there. Two tight ends, oh. running the ball. And then play action pass. Now, they're still yep. doing it out of a shotgun, which I would rather see them get under center and really be who you are. But I love the fact that Michigan is becoming more of that. That's kind of what you think of when you think of Michigan football, right? Smash mouth, physical. And it's showing in their defense as well. Because they're becoming a more physical offensive team, the defense is showing that same exact thing. And it just makes me a little more intrigued about what's going to happen when Ohio State plays Michigan this year because now we have contrasting styles. You don't have two teams trying to outdo each other with the same thing. You have these real – it's like USC playing against Stanford. It's like these two very contrasting styles, contrasting um, team makeup – so it's like, well, it's gonna, it's now it's a battle of the wills and whose will is gonna win out. I, I for one can't wait for that. I know Scotty is probably thrilled about Michigan, you know, being two and zero and Ohio State looking suspect on defense. So I wasn't able to watch the game. I got done umpiring a game, put the you know ESPN radios, what my what my truck set to put it on. They actually had the Ohio's you know or Oregon Ohio State on in Detroit. Bro. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, that was in our market. I'm like thinking to myself, I don't know if I would play Ohio State and you know our Penn State slash yeah. Rutgers market, uh, and I couldn't believe it because I, I, I caught the last five minutes. I was listening to Ohio State just put the game away and or not uh, Oregon, Oregon put yeah. the game away. And from what it sounded like, Ohio couldn't stop the run. Well, that's what I was just gonna say. Which, you know. Oregon got out to a lead. Oregon gets out to a lead, and I text Scotty. I'm like, here we go. Chaos This is exactly what we're talking about. He goes, he texts me back basically saying, Ohio State always finds a way to win this game. And it's usually because even if their defense isn't playing great most of the game, they turn it on in the fourth quarter when they had Urban Meyer and they didn't always have great defenses. They would get a couple stops in that fourth quarter, get the ball back and score. And they just weren't able to do that this week or, or, or this past weekend against Oregon. They, Oregon was able to get first downs. There was a couple drives where they didn't score, but they ate up clock and they got first downs. And then they did score. And it was just like, nope, that's it. So Oregon beat Fresno State 31-24. Close game, right? Yeah. And Fresno State, it's not like it was the Pat Hill Fresno State teams from 15 years ago where you knew like, Hey, two of these guys are going to be playing in the NFL in a few years. Right. And they were physical. <laughs> I mean, as far as I know, Fresno State's they're not okay. A good program. Yeah, they're okay. They're 2 right, and 0 now. It, but so. it's not the Fresno State from no, 15 years ago. No, 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 no. Hey, we could be a giant killer. So that was a so that was a big game. Uh Ohio State has some real questions on defense. And I so this is what's interesting. When you're struggling with scheme, it's one thing. You're like, we got to make some adjustment scheme. If you're struggling with personnel, it's it's really difficult to come back from that. I'm not ready to say that it's a personnel issue. We're, we're going to learn that in the next week or two, though, because if it's if they can continue to struggle on defense, then you start to say this is a personnel issue because there's it, when it's a scheme. This is what I was saying, like with the Colts. As why I don't know about the Colts because if they make a couple adjustments, 
and then and then they're protecting the quarterback again. You're like, well, it might, maybe it was a scheme issue. But if it's the same shit over and over again, like you're going to see with Chicago, we know that they don't have a, the Bears don't really have a good offensive line. There's going to be pressure in quarterback week in week out, and you're like, there's no scheme that you can fix that, man. You got bad personnel. I don't. I'm not ready to say that Ohio State has bad personnel because they're freaking Ohio State. Uh, I'm going to say they probably don't. Yeah. So we'll see. But if it is a personnel issue, like let's say recruiting focused too much on the offensive side and not enough on the defensive side, this is going to be a problem because you do have some physical ass teams in the Big Ten, and if oh, they're if able to grind out a running game, yes, Ten, it's going to be a long winter. The Michigans, the and Penn State, real shame. To oh, wouldn't see it? That yeah, to wouldn't Ohio it? State. Uh, the Michigans, the Penn States, the Wisconsins, if they're able to grind out first downs and keep that Ohio State offense on the sideline, there could be some problems. And I, I for one, said I think Ohio State could struggle this year, but I really was thinking it was because of their rookie quarterback, and I don't know that that's the case. I don't. I think it looks like it's going to be because of their defense. One of the other big games – well, let me, I want to get this one out of the way because I'm stunned by this. I'm going to talk a little locally here. Rutgers goes into – and I, I mentioned last week, I can't believe Rutgers is favored over anybody on the planet on the road. But they were favored over Syracuse, and they win the game. So they score 61 points in week one, and then they go on the road and win 17-7. I'm just going to say Greg Schiano is the real deal. Uh, Rutgers looks okay. I was thinking they should have been out of the Big Ten, and here they are, 2-0, and and they are at least playing well. I'm like – Really stunned, and locally in New Jersey, you should be at least excited about what you're seeing with Rutgers football. Well, I mean, there, there's a kid from the next town over who's playing wide receiver for Rutgers named Bo Melton, who is oh, – nice. he was a freak in high school. And, you know, New Jersey's got some football players. South Jersey's sure. got some got some athletes. You know, some kid named Mike Trout played free safety for Millville. I've heard of him. Well, he he gave my teammate who had a full ride to uh, Virginia Tech as a wide receiver and who played with uh, Tyrod Taylor and PK mm. Sam. He gave him a concussion yeah. as a freshman. Big dude. Um, so Melton, you know, there's talent down here, and I don't want to say that like it goes somewhere and then it flounders. I mean, Mike Gusecki's from ten minutes up the road from. Is he us. really? Oh, Gusecki's a New yes. Jersey guy. Okay, yeah, he's, he's a nice he's tight a, end, man. He's, he's a, a Southern really nice player. player. He's a really nice player. But this this Bo Melton kid, I mean, he might be the most explosive kid at Rucker since like a Taquan Underwood 15 years ago. Well, I'll say this about Shiano. And this this was the truth in his first go around with the with with the with the uh, Scarlet Knights and it's clearly the truth now. He's an excellent recruiter and he does a very good job of keeping New Jersey guys in New Jersey. Well, if you can keep the New Jersey kids in New Jersey, you'll be a top twenty program. No you problem. Can. Yeah, because they do have some uh, skill position. Some they got some nice players. Skill in position, yeah. offensive line, defense. I mean, yeah. there was a period of time I believe Rutgers under Shiano put more guys in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball than any other program. Yeah, yeah. He Which had a, is, when he was there. It was a huge. It was a huge mistake when he left the first time because he was like a god. And I think this will probably be the the last job that he has because he knows how good he has it here, and he's well. He's I think he's also kind of seen, and we'll if we discuss the USC thing, he's not a fit for all programs. I mean, we saw what happened in Tennessee when they mentioned Shiano. Yes, I thought that they were gonna, you know, <laughs> he's a New Jersey guy. <laughs> he's a Jersey guy. 
Uh, Iowa Iowa State was another great game. You talk about a physical football team, in-state rivals. Uh, this was one of my winners this past weekend. I had I was I did very well in my college football picks. I went two and zero. That was a pick that I heard, and I was like, "Oh, I'm just salivating for Iowa." I went against my rule, uh, but I proved it was proven right simply because the only reason I went against the rules because I just thought Iowa was was better. And they're only a little better. This was a really good game. This was a tough game. This is a well-played game by both teams. Iowa State's going to have a really good season. I just think Iowa's very good. And you talk about a team that Ohio State doesn't want to play, it's going to be Iowa because that's exactly oh, the kind of de- the kind of team that they don't want to play. Um, Texas. Texas loses to Arkansas, one of Scotty's big winners on the weekend. I was that stunned was by this one. That I heard. Yeah, I was stunned by this one, man. I absolutely—he took Arkansas minus uh, plus the seven. I, I would have totally went the other way on this one. Scotty was right. He nailed this one clean, uh, outright winner as a home dog. I'm, I was stunned. Arkansas played very well. I don't even know who this coach is, but he's got them playing some good, good football. So we'll see how they do in the SEC. But it doesn't bode well for Texas moving to the SEC. Texas. I mean, talk about a program that 20 years ago, 25 years ago, late 90s, because Oklahoma wasn't, you know, before Oklahoma was fringe. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. Texas has the Longhorn Network. They were like, we're Texas. We don't need the SEC. Right. And now they're going to come crawling into that. That's and the exact reason that I said when this when the rumor first floated, I said this isn't going to happen because Texas doesn't need the money. But you know, I I think it's just I think it shows that that conference is just it's, dissolving. It's, it's way too top heavy. It's just way too top heavy, and that's why there's there's Texas and Oklahoma, and then there's everybody else, and that's a problem. Right, and, and that's why it's Iowa and it's Oklahoma State, and then a bunch of you know, you know, St. Mary's at a blind yeah. and. Got a, got a couple other notes here that I wanted to get to. Um, Notre Dame struggled with Toledo, which made me – which okay, so there's dominoes that fall sometimes, that and these dominoes answer some mm-hmm. questions. So after week one, we had a question like, is Florida State back or are they, are they a legit team? Well, Florida State goes <laughs> out and gets beat by Jackson State, and Notre Dame almost loses to Toledo. So then it makes you look at that first week and go, okay – Florida State's not very good, and Notre Dame barely squeaked out a win. So I don't think either one well, of those are are really great teams. So I, I'll say this: if you're Notre Dame, right? If if you're Brian Kelly, how do you get your team up after the big overtime win down in Florida State? How do you get them up for Toledo? Who's I get that up? for offense. I don't get that for defense. And it, this is why I'm gonna say. Florida State scored a boatload of points against Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and Toledo scored a boatload of points against Notre Dame. And then Florida right. State couldn't score at home, couldn't score enough points against Jackson State. It wasn't like they lost, you know, 42-41. They, they lost like 23-20. So that's why I say, like, okay, I don't think either one of those is very good, which lends itself to my team, my surprise team, Cincinnati, winning a national championship this year. Uh, we also had – <laughs> Come on, it's man. never going to happen. Guy's got to pull something out of his ass, and maybe that's the one. Stanford, absolutely. Not, again, this is just a weird a week one versus week two result. Stanford got smoked in week one. I forget who the hell they lost to. Scotty usually straightens me out on this stuff. Um, but then they go in and they crush USC, and I'm like, and then what does USC do? They go right out and they fire their head coach. 
Clay Helton just well, Clay Helton cut. But it's just I don't know why they why they even if you're gonna fire the guy within the first couple weeks of the season, why don't you just do it at the end of last season? You probably could have had Urban Meyer. I don't understand what's going on with the fall of Troy. And it's been bad since Carol left. And, you know, we know that there was the Reggie Bush sanctions and this and that. Well, they have some systemic that issues there at USC as a college, though. Right. But USC is too big to fail. They cannot. But you have to have happen. the right guy in there. Now, we'll, you know, we'll talk about this over the next few weeks. There's a couple guys that I think would be good. But you can't, you can't, it's not, it's not middle America where you can have like uh, a big time assistant or you can bring a guy in from a successful, you know, I don't know, like Ball State, you know, like an Urban Meyer who came from, uh, right. what, what the hell did he come from? Where, Bowling Green. Who's at Bowling Green. You can't do that at USC. Like you're going to have to bring a guy in who has the reputation. Yeah. A Pete Carroll who was already a pro coach, a John Robinson who was already a pro coach. Like it's got to be a known commodity. I hear the name Eric Bianami thrown. Stanford lost to Kansas State twenty four to seven. Yeah, they got trounced. So it's like, how the hell does that happen? So I hear the name Eric Bianami thrown around. I'm not a P- a Bianami guy, but Bianami is a Southern California guy. Uh, he's a Bianami is an interesting hire. It is. It I'm is. shocked that honestly, I'm shocked that he didn't get NFL jobs. Now I don't know if that's him saying no or them not. I'm not saying terribly yes shocked about him. that because I hear he's not the best interviewer. And again. This is one of those things where guys who come from Andy Reid's tree as offense coordinators are not always great. You look at Matt Nagy. I think that gives people pause. Like how much of them, how much of Kansas City's offense being good is Matt Nagy is the enemy when we know it's Andy Reid. Right, I think that I raises hi- pause. I would hire the enemy over Urban Meyer because there's only one guy that I can recall who's done well. Going you mean for the USC the job? No, no, no. In general. In yeah, yes. I, I I didn't I was not big on the Urban Meyer hire, um, but I the but the other side of it is the other side of the problem is is that uh, with Kansas City going making these deep runs into the playoffs, these teams want to hire their coach. You know, they, uh, Brian Dable didn't get a job last year as the uh, the guy who's offensive coordinator for the Bills, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that those jobs were filled by the time the Bills were finally out of the playoffs. You know, the Jets had filled their you know everybody had filled their positions. And Dable and Biennemi were still playing. So it's hard. That's hard in that sense. Um, but we're, we're, we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks. But it's an interesting hire for USC. Let's be honest. Uh, uh, he's He would be a black head coach at USC with L.A. roots or Southern California roots. Uh, pro, you know, real quality pro experience coming from a strong Kansas City team. Like it doesn't get much better than that. And um, he's jumping into a excellent job. It's not hard to recruit USC. And one of the jobs. You got the song girls. You got the Coliseum. Right. So he's been asked, would you take a college job? And he said that US. This was this was before this actually happened. So that's why you're able to say he, he hasn't talked about it now because he's in the middle of their season. But he has said in the past that USC is one of the few college jobs that he would consider. So it seems like a good match. I would go elsewhere, and I'll talk about that in coming weeks. Um, some other guys that I – well, I'll give you one name that I absolutely love the idea, and I think personality, reputation, I actually think it's a good idea for him. Um, uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, the Steelers head coach, Mike Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin. I, th- I think Mike Tomlin. So 
I think it's a great fit for USC because it's a big-ass name coming from the pros, coming from the Steelers with Super Bowl pedigree. I think it might be smart for Tomlin because Ben Roethlisberger is on the way out. They don't have a replacement in place, and you don't have one in sight. So I think it might just be the right time to leave the Steelers. That and, job's going to pay the same. Oh, it's, it, I just with think, a five-year I, contract. God, minimum. I think Mike Tomlin at USC would be. I think that would be so, so much fun for him. I started hearing, and you know, I saw on Twitter the Greg Schiano stuff. I'm like, no, oh, come on, happening. stop it, stop it, stop it. No, 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 no. Listen, I love Schiano more than anybody else. Not happening. In all honesty, he's uh, not a big enough name. He's just not Bill a big O'Brien's enough. O'Brien's an interesting. I don't. I don't think so. That's just not a big enough name for me. Bill O'Brien, given what he did at Penn State, and under for the like a year. It's like a year though. Yeah, but he he was a guy who came Maybe in in the middle years. of the. No, I get it. it. It was like two. I get it. And then, you know, he the guy. I think that w- this is who I'd call if I was SC's AD. But they're also that athletic department's been a mess. I'd call the uh, head coach from uh, BYU, uh, Kalani. Uh, oh, forget it. Sataki or whatever. What the? Who cares? Are you crazy? No, no. So here's my rationale. It He's winning be at BYU. Okay. Yeah, they just beat Utah, which is a huge. They just beat Utah, which was that's a massive upset. I mean, I got to give them credit for that for sure. Well, BYU's been very good. We also Kalani's Polynesian, and we know about the tradition of the Polynesian football players, especially at SC. They're putting guys in the NFL. He's putting guys in the NFL from BYU. That might be the game changer to help us. I hear what you're saying. I just don't think that's the name. I don't think that's the I, brand. I get that it's not that the name. Need. That's the right hire, though. It might be. I don't know if he's ready yeah. to go from Provo to LA. Uh, oh, that's, that's, I've, I've been to Provo. It ain't no LA. <laughs> it's not LA. So um, that that'd be a tough pill. That'd be a tough pill. Uh, we are going to move on to our picks segment. And if you have been listening to the show, to this podcast, we've made you some money. Now, I will tell you that we have not made you t- too much money in the NFL. But it was just the first week. Both Scotty and I both went 2-0. I believe Scotty went 2-0. I definitely went 2-0 in college football last week. So we're going to start with some college picks Chris, do you have picks for this week? Do you have games? That- I don't have college picks. I got you covered on the NFL. But you do for the NFL. Okay, so then all you need are my two picks for this week. I went 2-0 last week. It was easy money, and they're going to be easy money again this week. We mentioned Rutgers earlier before. Rutgers went uh, is 2-0. This past week, they beat Syracuse 17-7. The first week, they scored 61 points. Who'd they score 61 points against? They scored 61 points against Temple. Now Temple's playing against Boston College, who's better than Rutgers. Now the game is at Temple. It's in Philly, but whatever. Boston College has a legitimate NFL prospect at quarterback. They're favored by 14 and a half. I hate the half. I hate the 14 and a half. It's 14 is such a sharp number, but the half really it's like a hangnail, and I can't stand it. I think I might get caught on that one. But I got to think that if Rutgers could score 61 against Temple, then Boston College can at least score, you know, 40. And if Boston College scores 40, they're 2-0. They're going to they're gonna cover the spread. So my first pick in college football is to go Boston College minus 14.5 over the putrid, pathetic, terrible 
Temple Owls. Now, I had another game here. Love that pick, by Thank the way. you. You like that one? Temple's bad. I mean, I, I may play around with the offshore account to see if I <laughs> can, uh, you know, get a half point off. Ugh. Or, or, or T, just, I, I like get myself on 14, getting off of 14 and a half. That, that, but the half point bothers me. But I think they're going to beat him by over 20, so the half point isn't going to mean shit. Now, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, well, what's my second game? And I'm looking at this Penn State game, and I'm saying, why the hell is Penn State favored by five? I know it's at home, and I know it's a whiteout, but whatever. They shouldn't be favored by five over Auburn. So if I were a smart man, I would take the five points with Auburn. But I'm not smart. I'm going to a different game. I'm going to leave that game alone. So maybe you on your own, you want to bet Auburn against uh, Penn State. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep riding the train that I have been riding since before this season started. And I'm going to say take Cincinnati on the road against Indiana and lay the three and a half points. Listen, there are two games that Cincinnati has had circled on their schedule this year. And that's Indiana on the road because Indiana has been a decent team over the last couple years and Notre Dame. So last week, Cincinnati only scored like 14 points in the first half. They were sleepwalking. Why? Because they knew they were playing Indiana this week. They were looking forward. But what do good teams do? They come out in the second half and they say, wake the fuck up. This is unacceptable, and they ended up shitting on Afro, Miami, Ohio, whoever the hell they played. It doesn't matter. They crushed them. They did what they were supposed to do. They woke up. That means coaching did a good job, and the players woke up. They have a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback. Indiana looks terrible. Indiana looks they terrible. Couldn't their, they couldn't spell the name on their jerseys right last What was it? In, in Diana or something? It was just in Dania. Whatever the hell it was, if you can't get your jersey right, you can't beat a Heisman Trophy candidate. So take Cincinnati minus the three and a half. They're going to win by double digits. They're probably going to win by 10, 12 points. They've been looking forward to this game since the season started. They knew they were going to win the first two games of the year. They've been looking to Indiana. And then after they beat Indiana, the next big game that they have is against Notre Dame. And Notre Dame hasn't looked really good either. So there's your Cincinnati is going to be in that final four. Take my word for it. But you might want to take Auburn. So now let's go to some pro picks. And I'm going to let you start. We'll go every other pick here. Who's your first right. pro pick? Do we want to pick the whole card? or No, no, no. Just two, give me two picks. Okay. Give me your two, two best bets. That's all we need. So I will say I think week two is one of the hardest weeks to wager. Week one, you get one or two games that the numbers are just weird and Vegas can't make a number. Yeah, by the way, I went 0-2 in week one. I had Minnesota beating Cincinnati. Nope. And uh, what the hell else did I have? I don't even want to remember. I went I'll nine and seven against. I went nine and seven against the spread. That's and exceptional. No, this was not an easy week one. Oh, um, I had Washington. I had Washington beating the Chargers. Nope. So I was zero and two. Two and zero in college. Two zero and two in the pros. But I'm gonna I'm gonna make up for it this week. I promise. So Pete's gonna shoot me. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here I we like, go, no, bastard. You I like bastard. Dallas getting three. Oh no, that's in okay. LA. Okay, I just. I know Dallas didn't look great against a not firing all cylinders um, uh, Tampa Bay. I don't think uh, the Chargers looked great against Washington last week. I, I I think I think Dallas is out for blood. I gotta say I think it's Dallas scares me with with the Gallup and CD Lamb. Gallup is out. Yeah, but I just 
I'm looking at this game they're, going three. They're loaded going, with weapons on offense for sure. And, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking that that that's a bad line. And, and like I said, that's a, that's a line my person gave me. <laughs> They're typically somewhat accurate. It is a line um, that I question because Dallas just lost to Tampa and the Rams trounced Chicago. You would think at the Rams, I'm sorry, at the Chargers, Chargers, I'm sorry, I was saying the Chargers. Chargers go on the road and beat Washington, a good defensive team. You would think they'd be favored by more than that, but they're not. Right, and they're home. So they're it, home. as we yeah. know, the, the rule is Instead typically Rams. three. Yeah. And I'm I'm looking at it and I was like, mm, I, So you got I the Cowboys. All right, so you're going to take the points with the Cowboys. I got, yes, and then I love the L.A. Rams laying three and a half in Indianapolis. I don't really care about that East Coast trap game. I think Aaron Donald – here, we know that Carson Wentz is having issues and has had issues against blitzing. Who has the best pass rush in the league? Well, they have a very good one. Good luck. Good luck. I don't know how you cover Robert Woods. Cooper Cup's going to carve you up on the inside. I think that I think Indy may get down early, and this game may get ugly. So this I, is just three and a half. <clears throat> I get it, and I like it. Off this to is, the races. This is a game that I stay away from because of, of what I said earlier when we did the high five down low. Don't know. Uh, I don't. I just don't know. I I was kind of high on Colts coming into this season. Uh, I feel like they're a really complete team, but boy, did they play bad. And I just gotta, th- I gotta think that that's not who they are. So that's why it scares me a little bit. The, the but, line does smell a little fishy. But, but boy, the Rams looked good last week, and they came out of that game pretty healthy. Stafford looks fantastic. Uh, it's a tough one to to disagree with you with. Like I have nothing to disagree with you with, other than to say that can't be what the Colts are, and that's pretty weak. No, I I, <laughs> I get that the Colts are. I get that it smells. I get that it. East Coast trap game, I get and like I told you, if the line smells fishy I typically stay away from that Yeah, um, I do have I am taking the Jets getting six against New England at home I just think that I think this game's going to get a little weird football gets a little weird it does, and, the NFL certainly does you know I, I mean, I, I don't want to say that Mac Jones is in a position where he can be laying six and it wouldn't surprise me if Sala cooks up some interesting blitz packages on this. Um, you know, the Dallas pick, I, I just that line seems that line seems off. I I told you I like the Rams, and then I mean I am I am taking the Jets now. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily go. Uh, not gonna go heavy. Uh, you're not gonna go whole hog. No, nah, I mean I I nibble. I tell you, what, a little taste. Uh, I, I might I might do a little Dallas Jets money line parlay, you know, or maybe a teaser. Nah, I stay away from teasers. <laughs> it, 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 teaser teasers sound good conceptually, but man, those are the ultimate traps. All right, let me give you my two oh, picks for oh, this week. Teasers are. Nightmares. I feel very strongly about these two games, Chris. I feel very strongly about these. All I've heard all week down here in South Jersey is the Eagles this and the Eagles that. And, oh, if this is how they're going to play week in and week out. Well, if only they could play the Atlanta Falcons week in and week out, then, yeah, maybe they'd look like that. But they're going to be playing against one of the best defenses in all of football. I'm taking the 49ers minus the three against the Eagles. I think I'm getting a good price. It looks like a funny line, but I think I'm getting a good price. 
I saw it at three and a half. I got it at I three. Took, I, I took San Fran. I was liking it. I'm like, I got it at three. I love this bet because I think San Francisco is one of the one of the best teams in the league. They were one of the teams when I did the high five. They probably are six. You know, they're right there. Yeah. They're one of the best teams no, in the league. I, and I don't I think agree. the Eagles are that good. I, I think the Eagles are okay. I don't think they're terrible. But let's not start jacking off all over ourselves just because they beat the Atlanta Falcons. Let's slow down a little bit. Take your time. Use the proper cream. You know, have a show on or something. Just ease up. 49ers minus three against the Eagles. I think this is an easy one. And then I'll, and then I'll have to listen all week to Josh Hennig on ESPN Radio and Mike Gill on ESPN Radio being, being very upset. Because this is not the same team that they saw week one. Well, they're not playing the Falcons. The Falcons are one of the worst teams in the league. My second game. This is less a bet for somebody as it is against a bet a, a bet against somebody. I have been preaching that Tennessee is not as good a team as they were in the past. I don't think they're as good a team as they were last year. I don't think they're a very good team this year. They're missing pieces that were important to a running team last year. I'm taking Seattle minus the six and a half. Did anybody go on the road and play better? Maybe the Steelers did. I don't know. But Seattle went on the road against a team that was a Super Bowl contender and, and goes and beats the Colts. And now they're at home. Tennessee looked awful. They got to go up to Seattle. And I'm, I got to give them less than a touchdown? It's six and a half? Oh, this shit. This line's at six and a half because I believe it opened at five. It's a trap, right? I feel like it's a trap. But I'm going to fall I mean, into the trap. You would think it would be more than a touchdown after the way that Tennessee played. I'm going to fall into the trap. Trap me. Call me the trap man. I'm the trap man. I'm falling for it. I'm taking Seattle minus six and a half against Tennessee. I think Tennessee's bad. I'll email you my picks. I I have Seattle and my line's five and I was circling it. I'm like, "Eh, the only reason why I'm not taking this on video is because it smells like a trap. Yeah, it smells like a trap, but you know what? I'll fall right into it. I'm going to take Seattle minus a six because I really... I don't think what you, I don't know that Arizona is as good as what you saw last week, but I think Tennessee is is not great. I think they have issues. I and they're the issues. The issues that I thought they had coming into the season are the issues that they had last Sunday, and I think that those issues continue. They seem like a team too. If they get down early, it could be it could be bad because they're not well, a great like passing week, team. They got down bad. Now and what's then, interesting? I mean, what's interesting is Tannehill has more touchdowns than everybody in the league over the last three seasons, except for Tom Brady. And, uh, uh, and and Aaron Rodgers, like he's thrown, uh, he he's actually better than most people think he is. But they w- the reason that one of the reasons he's as good as he is is because they have such a great running game, and then they do play action, and you know teams have to put eight, nine, ten guys in a box, and then you can beat them over the top. Well, sure, but if you can't run the ball because your offensive line stinks and you lost your starting tight ends, you got a problem, and I think they got a problem. So. So for a college for college for college football, I got Boston College. I love this game. Boston College minus 14 and a half over Temple. You might want to take a look at that Auburn getting five points against Penn State, but that's not an official oh, pick of mine. I, Chris is I gonna like nibble that. on that one a little bit. Guppy's gonna Chris is a sucker for money lines. <laughs> and then I love the eventual national champion, Cincinnati Bearcats, minus three and a half against Indiana. They've had this game circled on their schedule since they since the schedule came out last year. I love that game. And for the pro picks, what are your two? Because you gave me three. So give me your two mm-hmm. best, Chris. All right. You talked me out of Dallas. I'm <laughs> going with the J-E-T-S, Jets, yes. Jets, Jets, getting six out. Love in it. The swamp. I hope you're right. I hope they win the game. I like the and money line bet. 
LA Rams, like I said, my line's three and a half. I would have to think that it's moving up. By the um, way, I want to I want to show you something. I had crossed out. Let's see if I can get this up here properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, right there. I crossed yep. out the Chargers. I wanted to take the Chargers minus three and a half over the boys, but I changed it. I, I crossed it out, and I went with Seattle when I saw that line. So you're smart man. You're smart man getting off the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I'm smelling that. And, and look, the Jets, I think the Jets fight back to our way into this. Okay. Uh, is six is, I, I don't trust a rookie quarterback line six. I'm kind of interested in Houston getting an 11 and a half from Cleveland. Oh, here we go. Uh, two, two. Two is all you get. You get no, two, no. and those are your oh. two. My, I get it. My two, my two are 49ers minus three. They're going to win by double digits over the Eagles easily. And mm-hmm. the Seattle Seahawks at home laying six and a half against Tennessee. I love it. Chris, you yep. are part of history. This is our 34th episode. I appreciate it, my man. I think you did a pretty goddamn good job for just filling in on the last minute. How do you feel? You tired? You exhausted? Uh, first off, time went by quick. I know. Uh, almost, I, uh, almost two hours. I feel really good. And also, let's talk about how 30 – I mean, did you come up with the top five for 34? Of course like, I did. I, I was sitting at work, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm like, contemplating leaving off, like – no brainer. There's a bunch. There was a bunch. Oh, well, I'll give you my number five. Top ten. I'll give you my number five. My number five was Nolan Ryan. Uh, we celebrate Tom Brady because he's playing and playing at a high level into his 40s. Nolan Ryan was throwing no hitters into his 40s. Got this guy through seven no hitters, like by far the most of anybody in history. Guy's amazing. Probably could and still throw 100 miles an hour. Breaks off of Robin Ventura. Oh yeah, you don't want to charge the mount. Don't charge the mount no. on Nolan Ryan. Wrong guy to mess with. Who's your number five? My number five is Hakeem Olajuwon. Oh, great and player. the dream. So I thought about, it, and I tell you what, doing a little bit of reading, I'm like, I was thinking to myself, I got to move him up. I got to move him up. I got to move him up. Um, first off, three NCA Final Fours yep. at Houston. Doesn't get enough credit for that. And his problem is, you know, uh, loses to Jordan's North Carolina team, right? Yep. Then NC State. Then Georgetown? Jim, well, that, that was the third year, yeah. Right. yeah the second year, uh, Jim Valvano's NC State team. One of the coolest finishes in the history of the sport. Ewing yep. and Georgetown. Then goes into the NBA. I mean, did – Guy was ahead of his time, played defense. I, I mean, just he was solid. Two NBA then, championships. Two NBA, two back NBA back. championships. Yep. Those are uh, non Jordan years, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Has a little. And then the it. other thing is another 34 who I left off. You may or may not have him. Charles Barkley came to. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here, okay? My number Smart. four was Raleigh Fingers. Why? Oh. Because the yes. man had the coolest mustache. Now, mine is trimmed these days, but I've been known to get a little handlebar action going on the sides. And he was a pretty goddamn good pitcher, too. But that's why he's on my list is because the, the the mustache was just fantastic. What's your yeah. number four? My, my number four is Nolan Ryan. I mean, seven no-hitters. The dude, uh, yeah. Here's a classic has- example of a guy who, if he was on better teams, would ha- would be better recognized. I feel like if he was on better teams that won more games, then he would he's recognized well. But I mean, he would have more wins, and he would he would be a higher on people's lists. I think as greatest pitchers I would be of all time. Curious to see how he would perform 
because I think he maybe I don't want to say he didn't understand how to pitch, but we don't think of him as like a Steve Carlton, as right. a Tom Seaver. Right. Like he was just like a I'm throwing he was a freak. Yeah, he was a freak. Swing. Yeah. Throwing throwing 9900 miles an hour like into his 40s. My number 3, you mentioned him Sir Charles. There are guys that can talk a lot on the mic, but they don't play very well. There are guys that play very well but don't necessarily talk great on the mic. And then there's Charles Barkley who's great on the mic, great on uh great on the court. Uh, one or, one or, Not great on the golf course. No, God, no. But there's a list. There's a short list of the greatest players ever to not win a championship, and he's right near the top. Your number right. three? Um, Sir Charles was six on mine. My number three is, oddly enough, Paul Pierce. Ooh. So, listen, I don't like Paul Pierce. <laughs> How do you I have him on the list but not I Barkley? I hated the Celtics. No, so this is what I base it off of. The first thing that I think of when I hear the number 34. And we like to talk about the big three in Boston. And, you know, he spent a lot of time in Boston. And did. quite frankly, played on real bad teams. Yes, he did. For, for the first half of his career, you kind of then that has to make you question him a little, that it took him getting some other star talent to do very to do. No, that was good. you absolutely do. He also looked like he was the type of guy you look at and you're like you can't be one of the elite basketball players like you look at no yeah yeah like it's like not a a physical specimen yes (laughs) all right just that 34 celtic screen paul pierce and you can say what you want about paul pierce he's not one of my favorite players but i tell you what nobody wanted the ball as much as him on that on that big three team with the Celtics, when it came down to clutch mm-hmm. time, Paul Pierce is the one who had it in his hand. My number two, I think, would have been the greatest running back in the history of the sport if he didn't get hurt. Um, and it's still, to me, an arguable point. And that's Bo Jackson. And what's so interesting to me about Bo Jackson. Oh, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. I've left Bo off. Yeah, how list. dare you, sir? Have him on there. Bo Jackson is on record saying that he doesn't even like playing football. He loved baseball, but Bo Jackson yes. on record saying he doesn't love football, but he played it because it made him a lot, of, you know, got him into college and made him a lot of money. And I actually have even more respect for him saying that, and it actually makes him even more impressive because he did what he did and didn't even like doing it. Uh, before he got hurt, I'd never seen the, the combination of speed and power like I saw no, with Bo it- Jackson. It was unbelievable, um, and I really, truly believe if he didn't get hurt, he would have been – I think it wouldn't even have been close of who the greatest running back of all time was. So Bo Jackson's my number uh, my, num- my number two. Here's the other thing with Bo Jackson. How many years did he start in the NFL after playing 162 – For the Kansas City Royals? On the AstroTurf, in the heat in the Midwest. Yeah. Who's your number two? I, I need my number two – David Ortiz, oh, which kills my Sox. father. Yeah, listen, he was I, unbelievable, I though. Unbelievable. Uh, Yankee killer championships. First yeah. thing I think of when I see number thirty-four. I, I mean, I distinctly remember him hitting a grand slam in the ALCS off of um, Myers Don't or Mike Myers, the lefty uh, specialist that they brought in. So I remember the Yankees let's blowing that three out lead. Let's get off this quick. Oh, sorry. Let's, let's get this off this quick. It was a good, good pick, but let's get the hell out. My number one, uh, if there was an argument of why Bo Jackson wouldn't be the best running back of all time, you might put this guy 
in the argument of why uh, uh, of who would be better than Bo Jackson. One of my favorite players of all time and one of the greatest people uh, in the NFL history. There's a reason that like there's like a, an award in the NFL, the Walter Payton Award. It's basically for like the best guy. You're if you're a good man in the NFL, they give you the Walter Payton Award. Uh, they called him sweetness. Carried the ball with one hand a lot of times, like a like a loaf of bread. Uh, you talk about anything you could possibly want in a running back. You got with Walter Payton: speed, quickness, can receive. He was as good. He could have been. He could have been an All Pro wide receiver if he wanted to. If he wasn't a great running back, he would have been one of the best wide receivers in the league, and just a good guy. And one of the things that I know Mike Ditka regrets, and one of the things that really bothered me about the the year that the Bears won the Super Bowl is that they handed it off to the fridge, Walter uh, William Perry, instead of handing it off to. Um, Walter Payton and get him a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I know he was a little upset about it, but didn't make much noise about it at the time. I'm upset about it. It bothers me, and he has left this earth way too early because he's a great, he, as good a football player as he was, is how good a, a person that he was. Walter Payton was my number one. I mean, just the, I, I can see it right now. The clips from NFL films. He's on the turf at Soldier Field. You see him high five and McMahon. Yeah, you, I had you hear the NFL films and John Facenda or Harry Callis. And just I, I have goosebumps. Yeah, I had two jerseys growing up. I had two jerseys growing up. One of them was Dan Marino, which is weird for a Jets fan. That my favorite quarterback was Dan Marino on the Miami Dolphins. But the other jersey that I had was thirty-four for Chicago Bears Walter uh, Walter Payton because I just the way he played. He was like a, a a battering ram, but yet could just blow by you. He could move like he was Barry Sanders before Barry Sanders and Earl Campbell. Like he Earl just Campbell was, was another thirty-four. Yeah, he was on the list too. That's why I'm saying we, we could have done ten. Could have gone um, on. Listen, man, this yeah. was awesome, dude. This was awesome. I appreciate you doing this with me. And uh, if Scotty gets strep again, or if he has to go out to Denver to do a scouting report for the Broncos, <laughs> you're my man. All right. Hey guys, pleasure doing us. Awesome. Uh, for Chris Coleman and for Scott Bracey, I'm Pete Colasano. You've been listening to Bump and Run, and we'll catch you guys next week. And as Scotty, as Scotty would say, later.